If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Screen Heroes podcast, your film podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your host, Derek, and I have my two lovely, wonderful co-hosts with me, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. Hello. Hello, hello. And this week we are wrapping up our month of Halloween celebration with a discussion surrounding the Evil Dead trilogy. And before you say anything, I know there's more than just a trilogy, but we're covering the evil dead evil dead 2 dead by dawn and army of darkness we are not really going to touch much if at all on the 2013 evil dead film or the ash versus evil dead stars tv series so there you go that's what we're talking about here we're also not talking video games or comic books we're just talking the original trilogy no i believe we have done a podcast before on like the first season of ash versus evil dead so Mm -hmm. you can always go back and listen to that that's true yeah we definitely did and i'm pulling up the episode number here for people but it's just too much ground to cover in a single episode and it's a lot of content Uh, but we actually did a season two review uh episode 51 of the show is our season two review and our season one review is uh, a special that we did, apparently, back in January of 2016. So you can look for that, or maybe it's just a written review. It looks like I yeah, if you want to talk, out. if you want to talk video games or uh, comic books, you can always uh, tweet at me or message me in the group or whatever. We'll we'll talk about it. I've played played the video games and I, the video games, <laughs> and I've read some of the comics, the Jason versus Freddy versus Ash, mainly. And the uh, there's another, he was in the Marvel Zombies, wasn't he? Yeah, we're reading mm-hmm. that one too. Yeah, good call, good call. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean there was there's some other stuff too that they did. There was some Evil Dead Two comics that were that were specific to that, and I mean there's a lot of content that's that's out there for people. So we, you know it's just too much to cover. But Ryan, if there's something that you know that's relevant oh, to what we're there. talking about yeah by all means i do want to draw attention for our viewers behind me you can see my ash oh, giant yeah. ash back there yeah he is mcfarlane ash it's been back there every week but it's more relevant this week yeah that's ah. true i i have uh one of the neca figures from ash versus evil dead he's upstairs mm. I like that's him. cute i have an autographed a smart ash uh neca figure right over here somewhere yeah that's great but, man i never yeah, had oh, it's really great 
never had yeah. a chance. I got to meet him and I got to go on stage and talk to him about Batman and uh Oh right, you did the, the thing at the Alamo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did like a traveling game show. Yeah. And uh he, everybody in the audience would compete to see who was the nerdiest nerd. And I was one of the three people that t- placed in the top, so I got pulled to the front. And uh yeah, he had a little conversation with everybody and it was pretty fun. It sounded like a cool thing. I think, I mean, he was still doing it last year. So I think maybe just it might the, pan- still be going the pandemic well. may have just kind of frozen pre COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it sounded cool. It's good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Of oh, course yeah. we've, we have news. We'll talk news before we dive into all the evil dead Bruce Campbelly goodness. Couple of things to talk about. We're getting an assassin's creed Netflix series, which is our second attempt at a uh, live action Assassin's Creed adaptation. We had the Michael Fassbender film a few years ago, and now we're, we're getting this. Okay. So so I gotta be honest. I didn't read the article on this. And also I never saw the Fassbender film, despite being a pretty big Assassin's Creed fan. No, I heard it was absolutely horrible from like everybody. So I just decided not going to happen. Yeah. The previews yeah. did not draw me in, and then uh, the early reviews kind of turned me off. It made mm-hmm. it sound like it was not made for fans. It was made for money, money, yeah, which <laughs> that they is, didn't but... get. <laughs> right. So the the announcement's pretty straightforward and simple. Uh, Netflix posted a, a very very short teaser that was you know with Netflix plus Assassin's Creed. Ubisoft is involved. Uh, Jason Altman, who's the head of Ubisoft's film and television, said. Quote, for more than 10 years, millions of fans around the world have helped shape the Assassin's Creed brand into an iconic franchise. We're thrilled to create an Assassin's Creed series with Netflix, and we look forward to developing the next saga in the Assassin's Creed universe. Which, at least to me, sounds like it might be a new story that's not tied to any particular game, which would be would be cool. Danielle Krennic will be the executive producer of the series yeah i mean in terms of video game properties i mean we we saw the witcher and what happened with that i know that isn't specifically a video game property but it definitely uh was more popular because of the video games than the books at least over here but uh it's not surprising that netflix would start going after some other juicy video game properties and Mm -hmm. assassin's creed you know even if you don't love the game series that it is a very juicy video game property there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do it with that concept so i think that uh you know with the right people behind it it could be really good and obviously whatever they did with the movie was not the right people right. so hopefully they do get the right people and uh, they can do something like the witcher did and it's possible that with an anthology series um it might survive the three episode or three season I guess, maximum that they have on a lot of shows. Yeah, I mean, it's like a one-season maximum lately. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's been rough for sure, but I mean, I would I would hope that they would give such a large property some additional time to find footing and, and gain interest. You know, this isn't an origi- like a completely original IP or anything like that. There's obviously a very large following, especially with Valhalla landing mm-hmm. and, and all of that, so... I would hope they'd give it a, a clean shot. And I do think because of how much there is allowing it to be told over multiple episodes is probably a better chance at success 
yeah and doing it in a movie is a rough you got to cram so there's a lot that goes into it you got to cram a lot of it into an hour and a half and so a tv show is definitely a better way i call it a tv show but i don't know why i still call it that but you know what i mean well, um, it is i mean it's a show that most people are still watching on their televisions sure but i mean you know I, I, something like this is uh is a better way to do it for sure than i think a movie format mm-hmm I'm actually preferring this format for most things it seems like lately because you get so much more depth out of the characters you get so much uh, most of the time deeper story and more enriched story I mean I movies are great for certain things but man when you really care about the characters and the story it seems like these these are the way to go I agree I'm with you 100%. And it's even something that, that Bruce Campbell and, and Sam Raimi were talking when, when Ash vs. Evil Dead was first announced. A lot of people were bummed it wasn't a movie. And they were like, well, well hang on. Even one season is five and a half hours mm-hmm. of content versus one like hour and a half movie. Like the original trilogy, each movie is less than an hour and a half. It, 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 yeah, but in some circumstances, yeah. I, it, it isn't always necessarily a good thing for, <laughs> for more. Like I love Ash vs. Evil Dead, but I mean, it was it was a little bloated and they were they just started doing stuff just for shock factor because they had no restrictions and there was, you know, they had six hours to fill or whatever. So oh, I'm not fair. necessarily convinced that that was the best uh, <laughs> example. But yes, I agree okay. that you definitely get more content for the uh, for the money. Fair enough. Fair enough. In in other news. And this this one uh, probably hits a little a little close to home for Ryan because he was you know such a big fan of the show in its early days. But Stephen Amell of Arrow fame announced that he had at one point had COVID nineteen. Yeah, he said beginning of October. Yeah. Uh, I've I've kind of waned a little bit on him <laughs> as far as my <laughs> fandom with some recent things that he said on his uh, on a couple of different podcasts. I don't think it's his podcast. It's I think it was Michael Rosenbaum's podcast, but he talked to some stuff that I didn't really love about black lives matter and some things like that. Oh. So I'm not, I'm okay. not as much of a fan of his as I was, but um, yeah, COVID-19 uh, got even arrow himself or the specter, I guess, depending on how long you ended up watching the show, but <laughs> spoilers, um, spoilers. Yeah. I just spoiled six <laughs> seasons or seven seasons or however many seasons of that show there were, but um, yeah, I mean, the, he's not immune. Nobody's immune no matter what they say. So, you know, mask up and, and stay away from people please for the yeah. for the safety of all of us be careful out there you know look we all need food so i get it you gotta go get your groceries but you know maybe maybe limit <laughs> what you're doing <laughs> just a bit you can get your groceries taken to your trunk you don't even need to go into the grocery store okay so yeah, there's no that's excuses. what we do that's what we do yeah that's yeah no excuses take care of yourself so sticking with the the dc line Justice League, the Snyder cut or the director's cut, snack, Zack Snyder's Justice League, whatever we're calling it, has uh, kicked off its reshoots. The reshoots that a few months ago they said were not happening at all. And now they seem to be happening very extensively. With even more people like Joe Manganiello is involved. And so is Jared Leto. Jared Leto, for whatever reason. I mean, it just lends credence to the fact that we thought it might be an Injustice League uh teaser at yeah. the end i'm pretty sure that's obvious i mean it seems pretty obvious that that's what it's going to be but well um, so and, and amber heard also is is back for reshoots. oh yeah yeah forget about oh her. boy and well i just covering all the bases here's no here's, you're right here's the thing with with the thought about the injustice league teaser in a normal 
situation, that's totally what I would think it is. Absolutely. But Warner Brothers and even Snyder has kind of talked about how this movie doesn't necessarily fit in with the rest of the timeline canon that they're going with. So why would they put in a teaser if there's not going to be an Injustice film? That but who says there's not going to be? They have yeah. HBO Max now. They can make an Injustice League film. They can make all kinds of – they can make whatever they want. I think so, you know the answer to that. <laughs> like I think that what it actually is, uh, they're – they're erasing the original Justice League. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're using this as their canon Justice League and kind of forgetting about the Whedon trash. They're banking on it is what it is. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like, they're pulling in all these actors and dropping all this money in hopes that this can fix their cinematic universe and at least set it straight on, on the right path. And, uh, you know, who knows if that'll happen. I don't know that that's necessarily their best option, but, um, you right. know, right now, you know, what do you got to lose? So. I mean, that's that's fair. It's just confusing is all. And it's only confusing for you. Everybody else can easily be like, OK, it's fine. It's the new canon. No, no, no. If that's the decision, that's not what's confusing. What's confusing is the process that this is going through. When it was first announced, they were just going to kind of finish up the special effects, right? Yeah. And now it's, well, we're going to do some reshoots. And then it's, well, it's actually a lot of reshoots. And now rumors are climbing that the reshoot, like the cost of putting this together is like encroaching on $70 million, which is huge. I mean, that's a lot of movies are made for less money than that. And this includes like, this doesn't include the cost of his original stuff, his original it's basically production. Shazam's uh, budget as <laughs> right? they're doing this movie. I mean, basically, and it's just for the new stuff. It's not even counting everything else they did before. And then they start bringing in all these other characters. They're, they're going to serialize it, you know, in four chunks. And I just like, I guess I just, I want to know officially what the plan is, what they won't say what's behind closed doors, because I'm really curious. And I just want to know, I want to know. I have bad news is. for you, Derek. They're not going to tell us. I know you're never going to know. That's know. a ridiculous thing to want, man. Well, I mean, you just, uh, Hey, 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 just wait, when the movie comes out, then the whole plan will be revealed. Children. <laughs> Jesus. No, I think they've gotten a huge, interest and push from all the marketing they've done they've noticed that they get those clicks and those views and i uh, i'm sure you two aren't the only ones who uh donated and bought those hoodies so i think the interest in a new cut of this film outweighs the detractors so they're they're just going all in Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, you all know I'm looking forward to it. I'm very excited about it. I know it. I'm not looking for a masterpiece. I'm just looking for something better than what we had before and what well, Snyder wanted. You know? Exactly. Like, that's the big thing. It matters a lot when uh, you have a project, you start a project, and then somebody else completely takes over and changes it. So that that is what i am looking forward to is just seeing the vision of the original director mm -hmm. and like to be completely honest as much as whedon's kind of dropped out of uh my favor in the last year or so uh that wasn't even his complete 
vision either. It, like both of them kind of got screwed on that. So I suppose, I suppose. All right. Well, is there any other news that you guys want to cover today before we switch to our main topic? Did we cover the Ghostbusters getting delayed again? Or was that... um, I feel like we mentioned that last week. Okay. But yeah, Ghostbusters right. got delayed till next the next summer, which basically puts it out on. It's like the anniversary of the original film, right? Yeah, it's a year, basically a year after the the original release date. So, mm-hmm. bummer. Sorry, man. There are a lot of rumors swirling that there's a bidding war between streaming services to get the new James Bond movie instead of waiting for theaters. So that's an interesting thought since. You know, the streaming stuff, there's there's not a lot of proof that that was super successful. You know, Bill and Ted did okay, and Mulan did okay. So for a bidding war for James Bond, that seems a little maybe premature, but... Yeah, people are still really focused on uh, Trolls World Tour doing amazing. I'm like, you guys understand that came out at the beginning of the pandemic, and it is specifically for children. Mm-hmm. That those two factors change a lot. Yeah, because I, th- I think back then parents were like, well, all right, we'll drop the 20 bucks for this weird one time rental thing. No big deal. But now we're months and months into this and families are not excited about dropping $30 to rent a movie. Right. It's just the reality of it. So we'll see. The rumored front runners are Netflix and Apple TV Plus. So those those are the likely contenders that we are to believe. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super sweet. Since, you know, I mean, I have Netflix. I certainly won't complain if I have an opportunity to see a new movie. I might not have it much longer if there's no nothing coming out that's any good other than Stranger Things and Witcher. Yeah. I mean, that's basically all they have that's that's grabbing my attention right now, you know. They do have three John Mulaney standups that we kind of keep rewatching. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a short break then. And when we come back, we will be talking the Evil Dead trilogy. We'll be right back. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we are back. Let's do this. Let's talk evil dead so three movies 1981's the evil dead 1987's evil dead 2 also called evil dead uh, 2 dead by dawn and 1992's army of darkness which does not include evil dead in the title for various reasons that i'm sure we'll discuss we have all seen all all of us had seen all of these movies before this right there's none of this was our first viewing correct okay 
do let's let's do this. Do you have a favorite of the three? Uh, I prefer the first one. Okay, Ryan. Um, my heart tells me Army of Darkness <clears throat> because <laughs> I have a nostalgic connection from watching that in my childhood with my father. But uh, Evil Dead Two is the best of the three, in my opinion. I am glad that you said that because I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I rewatching for- it this time, it, it, I mean, I appreciate that Evil Dead was the original. You know what mm-hmm. what they could do at the time, and it's still a lot of the effects and stuff still hold up. Um, but Evil Dead Two is when Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell both kind of like they came into their own, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's still some of the, the director stuff that I didn't like in the first one. Yeah. when he was just trying to figure out a style that kind of creeped into the second one, but he like really came into his own and Bruce Campbell just embraced that he's a cheesy mofo and, <laughs> you know, went with it. And uh, yeah. So I think that that was the culmination for me. And then he, army of darkness went, I think a little, maybe not too far. It did what it meant to do, but it definitely went really far on the cheese and there was nothing that was like super substantial in it. So Ray, what about you? Why is the first one, The Evil Dead, why is that your favorite? I think it's because that one, to me, is really the only horror movie of the bunch. Because, you know, that one is the the serious one. And as serious as it can be. And um, I like the lasting effects that the first one had on the rest of the series. I do completely agree that the second one is the absolute best uh movie i think it's it it knew what it was the idea around it was the most solid and uh the way they achieved everything was obviously what they wanted um i guess i just mean that like it's very clear watching the first one that they did not have the kind of money, the kind of budget, the kind of effects that they wanted for everything, but they did for the second one. Yeah, and I mean, the budgets definitely increased pretty substantially with each film. The Mm -hmm. first one had about $375,000 was its budget, whereas the second one had a $3.5 million budget, and Army of Darkness had $11 million. Ryan, do you not believe me? I cannot believe that that first movie had over $300,000 in budget. That looked like it had about $30,000 in budget. <laughs> well, I mean, were, it looks like it had of... $30. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's a great movie and it's, no, it's think... a lot of fun. I mean, I think it's great because what it started with horror, I don't think it's a great movie. <laughs> I think it is a great movie, but I yeah. think that, uh, I, I don't know. It's like you said, it's it's a pure horror movie, but watching it now, it doesn't really feel like a pure horror movie to me. I know that's the intention, but because right. of the budget and because, you know, of what when it came out, it's an older movie now. I mean, it's pretty old. And uh, I don't know. You know, you could tell that this thing was creamed corn that somebody poured out of somebody's. <laughs> Uh, you know neck or you could tell that it was milk that they shot out of their mouth or you know yogurt flying out of the you know limbs um, the Kandarian dagger stabbed into them or whatever <laughs> it was gross sure but I mean it's it doesn't really uh, some of the horror does still hit but 
some of it is just be it's it's so campy that it doesn't really come across as horror anymore whereas in 1981 it probably was pretty scary the cheryl stuff still hits i think which one was she cheryl is the first one to get attacked she's Mm. ash's little sister yeah yeah and you know that so for perspective on that the original film actually officially has an nc-17 rating and was banned in a lot of countries until very very recently like even as recently as 2018 and many countries remove the whole tree attack sequence from I think anybody could anyway i mean i don't think that made the movie any better Rewatching it now is like that was a really weird scene you know that doesn't really there's no other part of the movie that makes that make sense you know there's no other (laughs) there's no other deadite that's like looking for sexual gratification or like violating somebody so it that just like kind of stands out on its own as a weird you know they could have cut that out and it would have been fine i think the second one's you know tree stuff was better it was handled better and Mm -hmm. uh, without the unnecessary uh and you know off-screen penetration yeah um well truth be told like as i get older and older the more movies i watch the less necessary rape seems to be like it it really does i know right but story-wise it just never comes across like it was necessary they could have done 10 different things to achieve a similar effect now, the so. only one i would fight for was kick-ass too which i think you guys watched recently because we talked about it but that scene with uh the yeah motherfucker get... in the bathroom and it was used to like yeah emasculate him so that one worked but yeah and i think in like 95 percent of times it's it's completely unnecessary and this was definitely one of them yeah it felt so out of place watching it now agreed well and sam raimi says he regrets that scene now looking back on it i mean these they were like not to excuse them or anything like that but they've learned a lot over the last 30 years and i think you know he regrets that now and bruce is not proud of the scene where uh, he gets possessed and uh is slapping around um drawing a blank Annie. thank you yeah in the he's second not, movie yeah he's not really proud of that scene either and so i think you know they've they've grown up and matured a lot not saying they shouldn't have maybe known better at the time but they at least i don't have a problem with this the 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 one in evil dead 2 where he's slapping the girl because it's he's it's not like a human dude it's a deadite it's he's he's a demon essentially and what would what remorse would a demon have for slapping anybody whether it's a woman or a man i mean it's not exactly a great message to give to kids but i don't i would hope that there weren't a lot of kids watching that movie anyway and i can truly appreciate that they can look back and say you know we probably wouldn't make the same choices at 50 that we did at 20 and i i think that that's important because neither would i you know (laughs) absolutely i'm 30 i wouldn't make the same choices that i did when i was 20 and so on that's that's the whole point of growth so i i'm not gonna sit here and shame them for it what's done is done but the fact that they can be like yeah we would have made different movies if we had made it today is probably the most accurate sentence ever now what's really kind of weird about these movies if you've seen them is that one and two are very similar to each other they tell almost the same story 
And the reason for that is Sam Raimi was not able to get the rights to his own movie when he wanted to make another one. So they decided to to do, I guess, what you would call a requel is the word I've seen used, where they just remade their own movie, but it's kind of different. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they they made some obvious changes to it, right? They the Necronomicon stuff is handled very differently than it is in the first movie, Um, and it's a, a lot more a lot more supernatural right you talk about the prophecy with ash and then that ties into army of darkness which even also changes the end of evil dead 2 so for for you guys like how do you reconcile the timeline for just these three movies forgetting for a minute how the tv show impacted the timeline how do you watch these do you like how do you position them with each other so you know the musical really helped me with that because I I love continuity. I love trying to find meaning in the nonsensical. And I think the musical did the best as it converged both of them to be kind of the same story as a back-to-back. I know um, some people have said that uh, it, their own headcanon that Ash suppressed what happened yeah, in the, the first the one trauma that's how i kind of mm-hmm. you know always thought about it and he he kept just remembering a cabin so i think it it makes some sense uh in in your own head and the tv show the musical has done a really good job of merging the two together like one long story i think for me, it's easier to believe the suppression theory. I, I do like the musical, and I think that they handled that really well. But it, I mean, the fact still remains that we have these two movies, and mm-hmm. so you know, for me to try and try and figure out what exactly is going on, they did one thing that they did a really good job with in both movies is that they uh, showed like the mental anguish that this was putting Ash uh, through, and I feel like having to go through what he went through in the first movie it's not completely out of the question that that he would that just to survive you know deal you know his normal life after this he would block those memories out mm-hmm. and uh forget about him and yeah just maybe remember some bits and pieces about a cabin and you know that's about it um so that was always my way of dealing with it but i there's no official anything so it's just kind of you know you just kind of figure out what you figure out and go with it. <laughs> and then so the the show, the TV show complicates things a little bit more because for that, basically what it does is says that the first movie happened. Mm-hmm. But the second and third movies are basically like a dream that he had. But they had to do that, didn't they? Because they didn't have rights to those movies. Well, so at first they didn't have the rights to Army of Darkness. Right. But they got the rights back later, which is why they then retconned it as a dream, because then they got the rights to it and could reference it and, and things like that. Well, I mean, it seems kind of weird to say that they that only the first movie happened in the second movie was a dream, because in the first movie, he didn't get a chainsaw hand. Did he just randomly decide to do that later? That's where it gets kind of complicated, right? So it's yeah. like the first movie happened and then some like at least some parts of the second movie had to have happened. Yeah, yeah. But his boomstick, e- right? I mean, it's a totally different shotgun in the first movie than it is the second movie. Uh huh. And the but, chainsaw, and yeah, right. 
but the problem is is that it's the events of the first movie and the ending of the first movie that are what happened right because he goes back to his hometown and even his dad accuses him of killing his sister Mm -hmm. which that's only in the first film right so that gets all really confusing and complicated yeah you know we don't want to talk too much about the show because there might be some people haven't seen that that's true right that's fair that's fair and then of course you know army of darkness has two endings depending on where you watched it the the standard dvd release is you know the he goes home and he works at s smart and he fights another deadite in s smart kisses the girl and lives you know happily ever after. i don't remember if he actually kisses her but yeah you know yeah yeah hell to the king baby that's and, right yeah, yeah. uh and then there's the international ending or the director's ending as some call it where he oversleeps and wakes up in a post-apocalyptic future uh that is not considered the canon ending of the film it's the s smart ending that's considered canon so yeah. <laughs> i remember watching this movie with my dad when i was younger and then he showed me the alternate ending after i had already seen the uh the original ending for a a couple of times at least and it was like what the i don't know if i'd ever realized that sometimes films had multiple endings before that it was it blew my mind yeah i couldn't believe it it might have been the first movie i was a terrible ending too (laughs) (laughs) like just not good well, I don't know. I guess it depends, like, what they would have done with it, right? Like, if they had done a Mad Max-style post-apocalyptic... But they didn't! I know. Well, that's mm-hmm. the thing, though, right? So, like, is the ending bad, or is the ending disappointing because they just didn't get to continue? Both. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, okay. Let's talk the Deadites for, for a minute here. Do you have a favorite Deadite? Or one it's gotta or... be Henrietta, right? Yeah. Like she is so cool. Henrietta is cool. Yeah, you're right. Uh, well, she's we, not we... my favorite. I think uh, is it Linda from the second one? I think Linda is her... the one that's just like sitting and laughing at yes. Ash while yes. like all the stuff is happening. Yeah, because that's like the creepiest one in my opinion. I mean, she doesn't look super gross or anything. Her creepiness is mainly just like the fact that the actress. Is just sitting there laughing in a super creepy way while all this crazy shit is happening to Ash. Um, Isn't that yeah. the first one? Was that the. F- yeah, that was the first one. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. That's his girlfriend in the first one. The problem is, is that he has two girlfriends named Linda played by different actors. No, he has three. Oh, yeah, you're right. Army of Darkness, the the flashback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. it was the second one because. Of the, oh, no, you're right. Because the makeup was not nearly as intense as it was in the second one. Yeah. Yeah. She was the creepiest of all of them, I think. And I don't know. That that's a great criteria to grade it on. But um, she's the only one that was still watching it. Even yesterday was like, wow, that's that's terrifying. My favorite, I think, is uh, the the dark Ash or evil Ash from Army of Darkness because he starts to he decomposes as the film progresses. And I think that that's really cool because he gets a lot of screen time, even though for some reason he doesn't get any credit. Like there's no credit for him at, at the at the end of the film, which is super weird. But, you know, he starts off looking like bruce campbell right and he just progressively gets more and more disgusting and worse and his jaws kind of breaking off and everything and then he becomes the skeleton with the eyeballs and i just i love that evolution of the design how it just has to c- consistently change i really like that 
Yeah, he was a cool character for sure. I mean, the fact that he was like the whole scene with like the shoulder, he's like, like, and the eyeball pops out. Oh, and, you so know, gross. He's like scratching at it. I, man, Army of Darkness is a, is really great too. They're all really great, honestly. It's mm-hmm. just it depends like horror, horror comedy, or comedy. Like those are the three you get to pick one of either one of those. And there's not really any other franchises where you get three different genres or two and a half, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know to pick from depending on which one you feel like you're in the mood for you can watch any of these in this franchise and get that and the deadites are so unique like they they're zombies but they're also demonically possessed and they have uh, a whole awareness of what's going on around them so it they are so unique that I, like nobody else has come up with a a monster quite like it before or since mm-hmm. well there's a big breadth of them too right because you even have like you know the trees that come to life in the second movie right where they they're actually attacking the house they like, uprooted themselves and started attacking mm-hmm. the house all the way up to an army of darkness where you basically have like a dragon pterodactyl type deadite creature that can fly yeah. You know, it's not just possessing a human body and being human. It's it's so much more than that. And you have, you know, Henrietta, who you know, when she transforms with the long neck and everything and, you know, it's really neat how different they are. And I think that that's that's something that a lot of horror misses out on. Right. Zombies are so kind of by the numbers now. Mm hmm. You know, they all basically look the same with it, with, with exceptions, of course. Right. Maybe that's something cool that the last of us did with uh, the infected is that as they st- the longer they're infected, they evolve and they change. And at a minimum, you can Left at least appreciate did. Left for Dead did that, too. You know, there's mm-hmm. different they? Okay. types of zombies that, you know, yeah, uh, it, that's not a that's not a new thing. But it is good when they get a little more creative than just like walk slow or run fast or decomposing. So. Yeah. That seems to be the big difference between zombies now. The, the like, are they the fast ones or are they the slow ones? And that's it. So I'm not a medical professional, but it does seem like people in the uh, in the Evil Dead universe carry a lot more blood in them than uh, <laughs> than they actually do, and it's under way more pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I am a medical professional. And you'd think that with this situation of so much extra blood, people would keep their fucking mouths closed. You think? <laughs> it grossed me out. <laughs> That's so why much. they do it, though. That's why they do it, right? They always, like, when you see these horror movies and there's gross shit happening, of course somebody has their mouth open because it makes it that yep. much worse when whatever gross shit gets into it. This is why, like, that is how hepatitis spreads, guys. <laughs> a lot of diseases. That's probably not the only one, I imagine. But yeah, like, Army of Darkness, one of my favorite scenes is when the guy goes into the pit and uh, the monster, and then you just see, like, f- blood spraying into the air for, like, 15 seconds. Yeah. You're like, where did this all come from? Is this just, like, all water that the blood mixed with? And, I mean, I don't know. It's it definitely implied that it just shot out of the person. I mean, in Evil Dead 2, that uh, Bobby Joe chick gets the uh, eyeball in her mouth. Oh, so yeah, that was great. (gasps) It's so gross. Well, then when when Ash is fighting his hand inside the wall, 
you know, uh, and he shoot and he he finally hits it behind the wall. It starts to bleed a little bit, and then it's just like a fire hose oh, yeah. comes out of the wall. You can tell Sam Raimi was like, "Fuck you, Ash," and he's just like <laughs> turning on the fire hose and blasting his friend in the face. Maybe that's really where where this franchise comes from. Is Sam Raimi's like, "I wonder what Bruce will let me do to him." <laughs> like how far how far can we take how far can we take this punishment? And it wasn't just Ash. I mean, there's a lot of other. In, in the first one and the well mostly in the first one i think uh there's a lot of other characters that get shit in their mouth too a lot of the women yep. get like gross nasty stuff uh-huh. you know what i mean there's yeah. like weird liquids flying out when they get stabbed with the kandarian dagger and it's like yogurt looking substance <laughs> flying out of their whatever Whoa. that is i don't think it's an actual vein or anything it's just kind of shooting out of the limb um yeah i will say speaking of that dagger that dagger is a really really cool prop and I love it. And it's kind Did of you like the first one or the second one better. I don't know. They were I, distinctly different. I know. I know. I know. I I think you get a better look at the second one. I like the second one. It's you get that like spine blade. Yeah, that was that was way cooler. Really the first cool. one is cool too. I like the hilt, but then the the blade is just like knife blade. Cool. Yeah. Well, all three of the movies have different Necronomicons. Yeah. Totally different. So yeah. I I think the second one is my favorite. Yeah, I agree. The third one is probably my favorite, just because I, I don't know, I have a, more of an attachment to that movie. But I, right. I love the scene when he's like trying to pick the right book. Oh, I mean, so it's good. so good. <laughs> Did you oh. see the words? Well, I basically, yeah, I, I didn't speak every single syllable. Basically, yeah, I said them. I quote, I love that movie so much. I quoted that movie with my family so much back in the day. Well, and I love the the one that he opens where it sucks him into it. You mm-hmm. know, and his face ends oh, up yeah. with the prosthetics it's all on long. it. It, it yeah. it's very Beetlejuice esque, you know, in sure. its in its design. And then what, what was funny about that is when we watched the first film, Ray mentioned that when Harrietta transforms, it kind of resembles the Beetlejuice serpent snake mm-hmm. thing, right? But that was obviously beforehand, so it's almost like Evil Dead influenced Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice influenced Army of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I I Just tend to think that Tim Bur- Tim Burton saw the movie and was like, "Let's let's take some of the good stuff." You know, he just every, every good artist is influenced by other artists, right? Oh, and sure. So I think that yeah, they definitely yeah. there was some of that. Um, I hadn't really put that together. I definitely noticed the Beetlejuice thing in the uh, second movie. I love that the way that thing looks. I, I tend to like weird snake-like things in horror movies. They always look cool. Yeah. And Beetlejuice is a great example of that. Yeah, so is, so is Evil Dead too. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and, you know, the Necronomicon, I, I think I think I like the second one uh, the most because the first one's just not really that great. But... No, it's really, really <laughs> bad. It's, like, laughably bad. The first one's, like, a little diary. Right, yeah, it's like a notebook. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the third one, like, it's so smooth. It's like, it's a little too high production quality for what it's supposed to be. You know, because it's, it's supposed about- to be a book bound in flesh and inked in blood. I don't know what, I mean, it's that's like saying that you could have like, I don't know, some famous murderer sew it together, or you could have like a perfect seamstress. So like, there could be different qualities of a book bound in flesh. Why does it have to be like bad looking? It can't be good, but you couldn't have a good seamstress make it. <laughs> Can I just say that since Derek called it it a notebook, I want them to remake the notebook, but with the Necronomicon. 
with the Necronomicon as the notebook. Yes, that's that's what I want now. That would okay. definitely make it better, okay. right? Would this be a prequel where they're they're writing the Necronomicon and that's the notebook that they're making? Whose or blood they... are they using? No, yeah. it's uh. <laughs> Let's see. the The movie takes place in the 1940s, so it just means that they get a hold of the Sumerian text before Ash does. I see. I see. Okay. I would like to see a story about how, like, they write the book, but then they to get the amount of ink they need to write it, they basically just have to give somebody like a little prick on the thumb, and it shoots out like <laughs> at a hundred miles an hour, and they get like a gallon just from a tiny prick. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> That's fair. that would so- be a, a great short. They should make that. Agreed. So th- then we have the cabin. We haven't really talked about the cabin itself. I don't know about you, but that cabin certainly seems a lot bigger on the inside than the outside. Yes. <laughs> Sadly, that cabin is also gone forever. Yeah, it is. Uh, supposedly, the fireplace is still standing, but the yeah, I've heard that. Gone. I would have liked to have get like a piece of wood or something from it. That would have been cool. I would have but, liked to just get some photos there, you know, yeah, you like, and everybody else. That was like a big thing in the nineties yeah. and early two thousands, like people trying to track down, I think well, until Bruce Campbell wrote his book and verified where it was located and that it was destroyed. Uh, well, then people like, like vandalized it and stuff. And like, that's the problem, yeah. right? It wasn't just that people wanted their photos there. Cause I think people can appreciate that and they could have turned it into something, but yeah. no, people had to destroy it. Cause people suck. Yeah. Yeah. That's accurate. It is too bad because, you know, now somebody could have bought it up and opened it as like a little fun B&B or something like that. You know, you have like two or three families there at a time and you, or like a you just rig it up to spook or, the crap out of them. Right. Yeah. You have a whole Evil Dead like touristy place. Oh, an Evil Dead escape room. Yeah. 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 That could be cool. It's the winner a, has to say work shed without actually moving their mouth at all. <laughs> you guys t- tell me you didn't notice that like yeah. super obviously. I, I, I don't know what you're talking Evil about. Evil Dead 2. There's yeah. a scene when uh when he has to go get a chainsaw or something yeah. out of the work shed and he's like scrambling around. He looks up the camera. His mouth doesn't move at all and it goes work shed. And like, oh, the bad it was yeah. just dubbed over. Sorry, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of bad edits, so I wasn't. Yeah, sure. that's, I I that's like the worst one in my opinion. It's just so obvious. He's clearly facing the camera and mouth not moving. I don't know. There's there's some bad. Like, I think it's in the first one. Yeah, it's in the first one when she's when she's going out into the woods. You can clearly see that like the moon is on a different mat than the rest of the woods. Like, there's a giant rectangle on the screen. It's true you know and uh it's just it's not good it's not good i do want to bring up something to see if it bothered you guys like it bothered me so I, maybe it's just because i've done so many of these podcasts with you guys where we critique the shit out of movies um but in the first movie it was really bo- sam raimi's style bothered me a lot and probably because he hadn't quite like figured it out but because there's so many like shaky cam and first person shots it was tough to differentiate when this was a shot that was taking place on for in first person versus when this was just a shot for the, you know, for the movie. Like there's one scene where somebody's like looking out the window and the camera starts on one side. And then as the person looks to the other side of the window, the camera moves to the other side. And it's, it's very unclear whether this is like the force of the woods possessing or like looking at them through the window, or if it's just them shooting the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that's first person in that movie. So it made it tough for me to like kind of follow it 
because of that. I never understood until I read the Wikipedia that the fast movements from the woods to the um, to the cabin uh, was supposed to be a demon itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always thought it was like some invisible evil force kind of thing. I never thought that it was supposed to be a tangible demon that's possessing. Or well, they, they act like they, maybe not in the first one, but they at some point definitely act like they can see whatever it is. Yep. So the fact that it that that it was a tangible visible thing made makes sense to me i guess that's why i just assumed that it was that way i think you i think it's only first person like that when there's that noise there's a sound that accompanies the demons the dead yeah, like, yeah like yeah and I, I think if that sound's not present then it's just a shot maybe it, it, uh, that, that, that could definitely be true i don't know it, it, it that's like a real nitpicky thing but it, for me it was it was just kind of hard to differentiate because a lot of the camera movements they made when it was inside the demon or whatever were similar to the camera movements he was making just for filming the movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that made it tricky for me but that's a really small complaint and you know obviously we love sam raimi these days so well and making the first film was incredibly difficult they were doing it in winter and it was freezing that that house doesn't have heat. And so they, the camera itself would freeze at times and they'd have to bring it by the fire and warm it back up. So it would function. Um, there were like, there, there's no interior plumbing. There were no showers. Most of the people quit after the first session. So like in the set, the, the later stuff that was filmed, all of those, the shemps, the fake shemps are different mm-hmm. actors than mm-hmm. they were originally. In, because the actors all quit or they refused to return that is um and so i, I know those uh, pretty contacts miserable. had to uh drive rachel nuts eh. they've i've read so many i think maybe in bruce campbell's books or somewhere i've read that those things were like the most uncomfortable things ever they were like a half inch thick or something a quarter yeah. inch thick something like that i mean geez they yeah. could only wear them for 15 minutes at a time Costume. is that what it was Costume contacts are still just painted pieces of plastic that are not great for your eyes, but at least they're made by actual eye companies now. Yeah, in 1981, uh-huh. they literally probably just spray painted like some Coke bottles or something. Oh, and, God. Absolutely. Yeah. I guarantee you that's exactly what happened. They were like, here, put this on your eyes. Yuck. Well, and they, they were, were apparently, to do it. they couldn't see through it at all. And so, like, there's the scene where she has him on and she's fighting him and she literally couldn't see. So he's actually just, like, fighting a blind woman. Like, she's just throwing her hands around and stuff. She has no idea. Um, Some but... of it's kind of obvious, but, you know, when, when you, even when you don't know stuff like that, you can tell yeah. that he's kind of, like, leading the dance. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, apparently, like, they were so suffocating on the eyes that 15 minutes was, the, was tops and then they had to remove them to let their eyes rest. Well, I'm really glad that that's what they did, because honestly, they would have had, you know, at the most blindness, just permanent blindness, at the least, you know, some calluses. And severe damage, I'm sure. Abrasion, yeah. That sounds horrible when talking about eyeballs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, abrasions hurt so badly. So, do you guys have any favorite scenes or moments throughout the trilogy that are just like 
things you like that you look for every time you watch these movies or something you look forward to a, a favorite scene or anything like that i love the chainsaw building montage because i love the fact that the demons just kind of stop attacking for the hour long goal it takes to uh make a chainsaw hand <laughs> totally makes sense neither one of these people have any background in making prosthetics but ash yeah. might you don't know okay and annie might too but there's no reason for me to assume that either of them do well she's kind of like an indiana jones character sure i don't know ryan um i think for the first movie i like the the scene when the the pencil gets stabbed into the ankle because that i mean that yeah that that's the reaction the intended reaction right and it basically works every time that's that's a really really good effect in the way they Mm -hmm. set it up um it looks like it's a real ankle getting stabbed through in that little tendon spot that everybody has there you know um and the way they, they twist it around you know that's that's rough um for the second movie i'd say it's probably kind of a cop out because it's everybody's favorite scene but when ash has to chop off his own hand um you know you just see the blood spraying and he's like crazy laughing um you know nicholas cage in uh, ghost rider uh seemed to take pretty heavy uh inspiration from that scene uh when he transforms into ghost rider the first time and it just starts laughing like a crazy person it's exactly like this and i'm sure there's many other uh people that have done the same thing uh, as kind of an homage to that um and probably in the third movie i love so much of that movie but it's to pick a favorite would probably be the windmill scene um when he's like uh there's like all the little mini ashes and he's like (laughs) drinking the, the like hot water to try and burn the one that he ate and uh and he's got the eye coming out that's when you first kind of see evil ash mm-hmm. um that scene is really great um so yeah those are probably my favorites from each of the movies ray do you have any favorites from the first or third film because you just said the one. Oh yeah sorry so uh i love the culmination of the first movie when uh all of them when multiple start attacking him multiple deadites and he's basically got uh to fight off his name scott i think Mm -hmm. and cheryl and you get the really fun stop motion animation um and i think that's just because even though it was cheaper than special effects where the stop motion it you know it takes a long time to produce so even though it's it doesn't really hold up and it is like cream corn and clay and stuff it's still like really fun when you know how to do stop motion you're like that still took like four days mm-hmm. uh, and then the third one like i i love the pit fight i always have ever since i first saw it i was like this is really fun and cool and He's just down there having a good time. And even when he comes out, that's such an iconic scene where he's mm-hmm. like, all right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. You know, that whole speech. Absolutely. So iconic. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. What about you, Derek? Um, the ones so, we didn't steal. No, no, you're good. You're good. So like, it, actually, in the first film, I don't really have like a favorite. Um, I think it's overall a good horror movie, but I, nothing like specifically stands out to me. 
in the second one, it's the lead up to him cutting off his hand. I like his hand beating the crap out of him. Yeah, I great. love it. You know, where, you know, it just it starts doing its own thing and it's hitting them with plates and it's trying to drag them across the floor. And I just thought it was super clever. It's and really re- good acting. Right. Like, it's just really cool. And, and Bruce pulls it off. And the, the like and, I, and this, the other one that kind of ties with it is the scene where the house is laughing at him and he starts laughing along with the house and he's like moving with the lamp and, the you know, the, the moose heads laughing and everything. And it's just like totally off the rails and he's snapped that is a very fun scene i think it's great i think it must have been very difficult for them to set all of that up and and get that to all function correctly um in the third film it's it's all of the stop motion skeleton stuff i think the skeleton army is awesome and yes a lot of those people are just people in suits but there are a lot of just skeleton type puppetry things going on and some stop motion stuff going on and i think it all looks really fun it's very it just clash reminds of the titans yeah clash of the titans and you know jason the Ar- and the argonauts all that kind of stuff like that's what it reminds me of mm-hmm. you know and i just i like it i think it's fun and that that includes uh the the evil ash at the end when he becomes just the skeleton and it, Does that I, include the, the death car where it's like with the propeller on it, knocking skeletons into the air? <laughs> totally does. Yeah. I OK, just, fair enough. It's just fun. I like it. You know, it's not too often you get to see just like actual skeletons fighting in a movie. It's just not a thing anybody really does. And that was or was skeletons cool. playing flute. But how are they playing flute when they have no lungs or no airflow? Well, they are supernatural, I guess. So <laughs> they so air just kind of develops in their mouth and goes into the flute. Maybe they possess the flute. Maybe. I don't know. I, putting too much thought into that will hurt my brain, so I'm not going to mess with it too much. Either way, it's a very video game thing. Yeah, definitely. That's like, true. Skeletons fighting is a video game thing, and I love it. And skeletons, you really only fight when you're like level one or level two, so that shows that they were not really uh, very skilled <laughs> fighters to take this army down. So do you guys think... Uh, the uh, car is going to show up in uh, Doctor or Doctor Strange. What's what, yeah, yeah? He's doing Doctor Strange too. Do you think the car is going to show up in Doctor Strange too? I think it I has think to. So. Yeah, it has to. It's just that's what he does. Yeah. yeah. Will that As connect it to the uh, Raimi trilogy of Spider-Man movies? Yep. It's all yep. the well, other man. The th- third Spider-Man movie might do that anyway. So you know, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Maybe that's what Spider-Man will be driving in one of the movies. So that'll be his car. That'd be sweet. That's a fun idea. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Only I, if it I, has the propeller on it, though. <laughs> He's just driving it through New York, yeah, knocking yeah. like Rhino and Vulture around <laughs> with his car. Now that fell off a long time ago. Long yeah, time we should ago. write movies. Clearly, Rachel was like, mm, "Maybe not you, but, but me and Derek." <laughs> I saw that look. No, no, I. I made the face because we constantly say that we're like that's true we'd be better at this than others that's true but we'd also be out of work right now so it's probably better the better that we're not yeah so is there anything else that you guys want to discuss with these films anything about you know the other stuff that you want to tie into it or fun facts anything like that there is no reason why these films should be as highly regarded as they are. <laughs> I disagree. Like, hold on, hold on. Like, I, I don't even know if I want to listen to this, to be honest th- with you. 
there's no reason why they should have succeeded when they came out. The fact that they did, and there is something magical about them that continues to inspire other people to keep creating, including Bruce Campbell and uh, Sam Raimi. It's just absolutely incredible to me. That first movie, you know, nothing about it should have gotten them more money and another chance. And yet it did. And it keeps going. And, you know, we talked about earlier how there's video games and uh, comic books and a musical and, you know, it's it is the most cultish mainstream thing i can think of so i i disagree i'm really impressed with how far it's come that's all i'm saying okay well i'm gonna disagree like you do and i'm gonna tell you why you're wrong (laughs) no i mean i'm not gonna tell you why you're wrong obviously because you're entitled to your opinion but i do think that uh the reason why it caught on as a couple of different things. It's it's you have uh, three people working on these movies that are basically family. Yeah, you know they're very close. And whenever anybody works on an artistic project with somebody that they're extremely close to, their best friends, their family, then it, it seems to always be better. And it carries through. You can feel that when you watch the movie. Um, but I think the second part of that is that the way that uh, Sam Raimi directed that movie and a lot of the camera shots and the practical effects on the budget that they had um, was not even heard of at that point. I think like the shaky cam thing was like a camera that was like screwed down to a plank and they just had two guys like running with the plank um, to get Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. Yeah. And and that was that they had never, nobody, it was like the matrix, right? The, the, the circle thing that they did with the, the fight scene, that was something that had never been done. And everybody saw that and went, Whoa, that is awesome and then you saw that in every single action movie for the next like five years but uh i think that that is part of what what uh got them the budget for the second movie is because somebody watched that was like wow we have not seen anything like that done before so i want to see more of that um and i I don't know if that's that's accurate at all but that's my guess uh, because it's all we can do at this point none of us were alive when the first one came out so that's fair. Well, they are making another one. So a, a another film called Evil Dead Rise is in early development. They have a director, a writer on board and or the director on board, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are are behind it as well. And it's, you know, their perspective on this is very similar to the perspective for the 2013 film. These aren't reboots. They're not remakes. They're just more stories that fit into the evil dead universe, right? The 2013 evil dead exists in the same universe as the original trilogy and the TV show. That's why the car is there. It's the same cabin and it's got a lot of the things that have happened to it previously. And Bruce Campbell shows up in the, in the post-credit scene too. So not all of their plans shook out the way they wanted them to, but they are making another one. So we do have that to look forward to. What's interesting about this one is it is not, a cabin in the woods. This one is actually supposed to take place in a city high rise. So there's some interesting possibility there to kind of break out of the cabin in the woods formula. I adore the new trend in horror movies where 
Uh, I mean, it pretty much started with American Psycho, where the corporate world is much scarier than the backwoods hillbilly world. I don't think that's the angle they're taking here because it's still supposed to be deadites and stuff. Well, yeah, but the changing of the location is very significant. You know, Evil Dead is pretty much associated with the backwoods hillbilly um, just landscape, I guess. That's fair. Yeah, even the show was a lot of that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean... I, I have not seen the 2013 movie. I had no desire to see a non-Ash uh, Ash, um, if that makes any sense. And yes, I know he shows up in the post credit scene, but I mean, I'm not really in it for a scene that's never going to pan out to anything. Um, I'm more interested in this one because of the seeing the same universe in a much different light. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't know if I'll go. I, I mean, Ash for me is Evil Dead. So it's really a tough sell for me to do an Evil Dead movie without Ash, but I may be convinced to go see this one if it, if we ever get to see movies again. So <laughs> we'll see. That's that's fair. The 2013 one I actually like a lot. It's not the other films, you know. It's basically it's 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 really very very similar to the original movie, but with like a 17 million dollar budget, right? And it's not campy it's not corny or anything like that and they had true horror yeah it's straight up horror and you know she's not ash as much as you know people wanted to say it was it's just a a female ash i mean she's not she's just the lead character in the story her name is not ash or ashley or anything like that um you know just to to be fair but i actually um, thought her name was ashley that's why i said non-ash ash no no it's 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 maya okay fair enough uh, but it's it's confusing to a lot of people because it's still it's the Nobi cabin, you know, and there's definitely the after effects from from the I'm assuming the first film. I haven't really done like a really tight look at that, but it you know the the place has been broken into and the car is there. Sam the you know, Sam Raimi's car is is in is in the shot and everything. So, um, you know, it it was an interesting idea and I liked the idea. But this new film is going to be helmed by lee cronin uh who i'm not overly familiar with but he seems really excited about he's a fan of the original movies which Um, means even if it's bad at least some love went into it right yeah exactly so i feel like he he at least wants it to to succeed right right? he's got some things in it uh i'm not i mean that's the problem with movies like uh jj abrams star trek because he wasn't a fan so there's just technique put into it not no real like love at all Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's fair but that's that's what's happening there so we're gonna get something else we're gonna get something else at some point maybe in a year or two depending on what they're able to uh what they're able to do so there you have it what are we talking about next week? Do we have any idea what we're doing no. in November? We have what do no... you guys want to do? I don't know. We'll have to talk about it. I don't yeah. know. But well, Ray, we have the Mandalorian dropping this week. We did yep. not. That's different from the topic because our store, our Star Wars show, will probably be covering that. But um, you know, that's exciting for people. So if you I imagine we'll at least touch on the first episode. Yeah, definitely. Ray, do you want to tell people about the tournament that you're kicking off in our oh, group? 
Sure. So we do uh, just fun little challenges, brackets to in our Screen Heroes group, really just to pass the time and get people involved, let them uh, see their opinions come to fruition. This one, um, we're doing a little differently. So far, we've only done movies pitted against other movies. And now what we're doing is uh, having the group decide what is the best uh, cast actor in a DC live action movie. So this includes everything from uh, the original Superman all the way up to uh, the DCEU, the most recent movie from that. Uh, what was that? Justice League. Oh, Birds or, of or Prey. No, Birds of Prey, yeah. Birds of Prey. So it, it includes all of those. And uh, it includes some of the weird one-offs in there. Watchmen, Steel, uh, Catwoman. So there are a couple odd things in there. But if it was produced and has the DC name attached to it, it's included. And this is Heroes and Villains, right? Heroes and Villains. Yeah, sidekicks are in there as well. Basically, I topped it off at four main characters. Um, I wanted to keep the characters involved that you really just remember. The problem with some of these like Steel and Catwoman is that Shaquille O'Neal and Holly Berry are really the only notable characters as well as actors from the movie so they're the only ones included and because of the nature of the films i doubt they're going to get very far but it's still (laughs) pretty fun to acknowledge that their efforts are there that's fair so if you want to vote along with that you'll have to join our facebook group the screen heroes facebook group so go out to facebook.com slash groups slash screen heroes and you can join us there and we do lots of other stuff. We live stream the show in there on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 central. We post news and memes and other polls and discussions. So you can have lots of fun talking with us there. So please join us and come. Have- Speaking of voting, Ooh. this is last week. I'm not going yes. to slam you upside the head with it, but go out and vote because it's important. So do it. Absolutely. Dropped our ballots off today. Me and my girlfriend voted yesterday. There you go. You know, get it done. You're going to be cool like us. We are the cool kids. This is true. That's true. Yeah. What you, or what you aspire to be when you grow up. <laughs> and if you're already grown up and older than us, well, what I'm sure you'll do? get there eventually. What are you going to do? Right. All right. Well, then that's going to be it for us this week. We, of course, are the Screen Heroes Podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. You can find Ryan at Buster Props. You can find Mm -hmm. Ray at Siren Ray. I am at the Star Trek Dude. But you can find our show at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter or HeroesPodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice. We are now available on services including Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, Podcast Attic, Google podcasts, you name it, drop us a review. And we promise to discuss your review and read it here live on the show. So we would appreciate any review you might have for us. Thank you for listening. We will catch you next week. <laughs>